0: I'm excited that we're in this series together. If you're a college student, let me catch you up to speed with what's going on. We are talking about life in the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he came to bring life. And that life is eternal life. And that life is found within a reality known as the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is here, God's kingdom is still coming. We're in the midst of, of this battle. And, and what we're doing is we're talking about the, the passion of the kingdom of God. Life is hard. What God has called us to do is challenging. And if we're going to be able to abound and to accomplish all that the Lord wants for us, it's going to require passion. You know, yesterday uh, evening, uh, Carrie and I were at a wedding. And it was so great because I wasn't officiating the wedding. I was able just, just to be there and to watch and then to enjoy and to be with family and friends. And, and as the bride, you know, the minister asked everyone to stand because the bride's about to come in. And, and everyone's eyes went to her and I was watching the groom. I I never get to see the groom. I always see the bride come, But I was able to see the groom. And to see the tears well up in his eyes. And to see the joy and the happiness and the delight in seeing his bride. And and my thought was, that's how Jesus sees us. We're the bride of Christ. And when Jesus looks at us, he looks at us with such love and delight and passion. And what what he's calling us to live is in this life, this life in the kingdom of God. And it requires passion. So we're talking about the passion of the kingdom of God and these five functions of the bride of Christ of the church. And we use the disciples cross to do that. So at the center as we gather for worship. We've talked about that. We equip for growth. We've talked about that. Uh, we we uh, serve we've talked about that we serve the church and world we connect in a group that's what we're going to talk about today and then next week we're going to talk about making more disciples and we have a really cool illustration for that so I hope that you're here next weekend to to see that imagery and and what that looks like to, to to be those who who seek to transform culture through making disciples but today We're going to talk about the passion to connect with a group. Our text helps us understand how to experience healthy Christian community. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, we're going to be in verses 17 through 19, and Lillian's going to read that for us, and so let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Romans chapter 14, and our focus verses are 17 through 19. Can you read those for us?
1: For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding.
0: The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lily. If you would go ahead and be seated and to and pray now for the, the preaching of God's word. So let me give you some context of what to what's happening in the background of our text. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He hasn't been there yet. He doesn't really know uh, these people. He knows some of them. He doesn't know all of them. But the church is divided, and and here's why. Uh, the, The church had formed together, and when they formed together, they formed as both Jews and Gentiles there in Rome, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The message itself, the message of the gospel, came from the Jews, And so the Jews were seemingly the leaders of the church at Rome. But around uh, 54 AD, uh, Claudius expelled the Jews. And so you had this massive expulsion of the Jewish people. And that's where uh, you've probably heard, maybe you've heard Priscilla and Aquila, you know that name. Those were the friends that Paul met at the church at Corinth. They had been expelled from Rome. And so they had, they had moved to Corinth to set up a new life because they, 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 couldn't, go back, they couldn't go back to Rome. So uh, uh, a few years after that, the expulsion was removed. And so many of the Jewish people, they moved back to Rome. Now that's been 2 or 3 years. Now during that time the church continued to grow, the church continued to develop, but it was under gentile leadership. And so the Jews came back to a church that had been had been formed for 2 or 3 years under gentile leadership and they were freaking out because these the, the Jews had certain food traditions, dietary restrictions. Well, the gentiles didn't have those. And they didn't have any problem in, in, in eating foods that, that Jews were very disturbed by. And so, so you can imagine they have their first potluck dinner, you know, in the fellowship hall. And, and all of a sudden, Jews are aghast. Oh, what are we eating? What are you guys doing? What happened? We've gone for three years. That's why we can't have nice things. Because, you know, you guys are in here just destroying this deal. And so there's division over food. And they're, they're about to divide. They're getting, they're getting angry with one another. So the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing to them and he's encouraging them to, to figure out how they can best serve Christ and one another as the church. And he's, what he's doing here, he's giving us a picture of maturity. I, I put this on the screen for you. I want you to know this. There's a difference between a mature and an immature Christian. While the immature Christian asks what all can I do and still be saved? The mature Christian asked, what all can I do to encourage and help strengthen other believers? There, there are so many immature Christians. Who I, can I drink? Well, 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 can, I still, can I go still and do this? Can I talk like this? Can I, what can I get away with and still be a Christian? That's an immature Christian. A, a mature Christian says, what all can I do to serve others? What all can I do to to make a positive difference in the lives of other people so that they can grow in the knowledge of the goodness of God? And and friends, whichever question you're asking and whichever question you're answering, understand what it's going to do to your life. It's going to determine whether or not you serve yourself or others. It's going to determine whether you enjoy or dread others. Because when you're thinking all about you and there's people that aren't like you and they don't think like you and you and they don't do the things you do, you dread seeing them. You don't want to even be around them because they remind you of what what you find uh, disapproving. Or they find you disapproving and you don't like it. And so you don't want to be around them. And so you end up either serving yourself or others, enjoying or dreading others, or strengthening or weakening others. And what, what we are called to do as Christians is to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said a lot of things, but this comes from a sermon. It's not really a sermon. It's more just kind of a a message that the Apostle Paul shared in Acts chapter 20 with the church elders of Ephesus. This was the last time he was going to talk to these guys. Look at one of the very important points that he made in that message. This is in, I'll put it on the screen for you. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, in all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that statement's a fact. It is a fact that has been proven over and over again. And there is, in essence to it, a double blessing. Because in order to give, first you must receive. In order to share, you must have. And what you have, friends, the book of James tells us, every good thing that you have in life comes from God. Every good thing ultimately comes from God. And in order to give, you first must receive. And and receiving what is necessary for healthy community is, for some of us, it's kind of hard. And here's why. I mean, it's like people like me. See, I love to live under the illusion that I'm in control. Just, you're in church, so don't tell a lie. And if someone's asleep, wake them up and tell them to answer this question. How many of you like to live under the illusion that you're in control? Okay, so it's not just me. Some of you, you're fine being out of control. Good for you. Don't judge me. That's all I'm saying. You know, you know, what's hard for me to do is to receive help from other people because you know what? Now they have to know I'm, I'm weak. Now, now that facade of I've got it all together. Well, that's crushed because I'm having to receive help. But you know what happens when you receive? It empowers you to give you're able then to turn around and say, hey, look, I, I know what it is to be on the receiving end, and now I get to be on the giving end. And you know what that creates? That creates healthy community. You, you guys know, you've heard, if you're new here, um, let me tell you just a quick part about my story. I was not raised in church. Um, Christianity was not a, a, a staple in my, my family's life. I came to save saving faith in Jesus Christ when I was 15 years old, trying to get a date with Miss Carrie, now my wife. and 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 so, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know a lot about about Christianity, but there was a season when my family, when we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just for a couple of years, we were we were at this church, and uh, I didn't I didn't like it at all. By the way, I didn't like going to Sunday school. I didn't I didn't like going to church, and and you know what I was experiencing? I was experiencing a drug a drug problem. I was being drugged to church, and it was a good thing. All right, <laughs> and, and just for that short season, but you know what I did like is regularly our there were a group of families my family was getting together with some other families and we would have a meal and then the adults would circle up and they would tell us to go play and what i discovered was that this was what we would call a small group and and we had so much fun but but this is where this is where my my heart got hit during that season my dad lost his job and we were already poor and i'll never forget that those families, they got together and they provided groceries for our family. And they did it in a way that didn't embarrass us because they were our friends. And you know what? I I, I wasn't interested in Jesus. I wasn't interested in institutional religion. I wasn't interested in that stuff. But I will tell you, even when I was lost and angry and mean and doing all the terrible things that I was doing as a young person, I respected genuine Christians. Because it was a group of genuine Christians who were kind to to me and to my family. And you know where that happened? It happened in healthy community. And see, that's what, that's what I want to talk about today is this healthy community. Healthy community comes from healthy disciples, people who have a a mind, a head and a heart and hands for Jesus, Uh, giving disciples, people who say, look, God's blessed me. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be a good steward with the resources that I have. And, and, And then growing disciples, people who want to be more and more like Jesus, those kinds of people connected in authentic relationships, that's dangerous. That's dangerous, it's beautiful, it's powerful. Well, what does it look like? Our our text helps us and shows us where healthy community comes from. There's three things that I wanna show you in the text today, so let me encourage you to write down and to remember these things. So we're in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The first thing I would encourage you to know is that healthy community comes from Christians seeking what is best. Not what is good, what is best. Not what's convenient. What is best? Not what we like, prefer, what is best. Look at verse 17 again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, God has given us so many wonderful things to enjoy in life. We gotta be so careful that we don't get so caught up enjoying what we enjoy that we lose sight of what's most important and best. There are non-negotiables with God. When you read the Bible, if you will read the Bible, one of the the things you'll understand is that God is very clear about what is sin. God is also very clear about who He is. He's holy and gracious and loving and just. The Bible is very clear about who we are. We're sinners in need of a Savior. And there are certain things that are right and there are certain things that are wrong. The Bible is very clear on those things. But the Bible also speaks to things where we get to have an opinion Or where we get to express our preferences. And we're not all going to have the same opinion. And we're not going to have the same preferences. And so we must choose to be gracious and loving. And not allow the things that we have opinions over or preferences over to divide us. We, We must never allow, again, things that are our opinion. Things that are our preferences to divide relationships. Because let me tell you what happens. As a person who would often look at the church from the outside... When I would see Christians arguing over nonsensical things, it only justified my reasons not to believe. So when Christians would argue over what kind of chairs they sat in or what color something was supposed to be or, or, or whether they should go to church on Sunday night as well as Sunday morning and, and all these other kinds of things, what music they should see. Here's what, I, here's what that helped me do. See, they're all, they're all about them. I don't have to take this serious. They don't really love each other. They don't really love God because they're arguing over things that don't matter. And it justified my rejection of the gospel. At the same time, it ruined relationships, not only for those people, but for me, because I didn't trust them. I'm not going to be friends. They're going to argue with me over things that are nonsensical, things that don't matter. I'm not going to have people judge me on whether I I wear shorts to church or whether I put on a three-piece suit. I'm not going to invest in that kind of stuff. I'm not going to give myself to it. It's not safe. And so, again, what happens when we lose sight of what God has clearly said and focus on our opinions and preferences, we end up ruining relationships and ultimately our witness. And so Paul is talking to these people. Now, I want to show you exactly what they were doing. Let's go to verse 1 of of Romans 14. Paul describes what they're doing and what's wrong here. This is Romans 14, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. You know, look what he's saying. He's like, look, there's someone who, who is weak in their faith. Don't argue over stuff that's opinion. Verse two, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Notice who's the weak one, the one with all the rules. Look at verse two, notice who's the weak one. It's not not the person who, who, who has freedom to, it's the person with all the rules. It's the legalist. It's the one who's miserable and who seems to be committed to making everyone else miserable. Verse three, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. What, what he's telling them is, guys, we we can't get divided over opinions. What, what do we unite over? It's not over something as silly as politics. It's not something as silly as, as church tradition. And, and by the way, honestly, if you look across the Christian culture, what you'll see is that many Christians are arguing over public policy and traditions that they, they want upheld of the things that they did when they, they, were, they were young. But God calls us to unite over something much greater. Three things. Notice them in the text. First of all, it's righteousness. We're to be united in righteousness by the obedient life of Jesus, Romans five nineteen very important verse. Make sure you know this one. The doctrine of this is crucial. For as by the one man's disobedience, that is Adam, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Theologians call this the imputed righteousness of Christ. When you, when you are born again and you repent of your sin and believe the gospel and you are saved, you get full credit for the righteous life of Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. You receive the imputed righteousness. What unifies us is the righteousness we have given to us by grace in Jesus Christ. The second thing, notice peace, peace. Peace because of the justification of Jesus. Again, back to Romans 5 verse one this time. On the screen for you, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, we tell God, I've sinned. But I, we believe that Jesus Christ day, died to pay the penalty for that sin. And so now we have peace with God because we've been forgiven. We, we no longer owe that sin debt. It's been paid in full by Jesus. Now we can, we can relate to God without any obstacles because we're forgiven. And then joy Joy is produced from this life in Christ because of the love of Jesus. This is John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's experienced in community. Friends, we must focus on these things. These are the things that unify us. These are the things that are best. And when we focus on what is best, we create biblical, healthy community. Uh, over the last three years, and, and even this last week, I have spoken to pastors regularly, and and there's so many of them are stressed out, and and they're hurting. And, and and here's here's what a friend said to me this summer, who's trying to decide if he wants to continue on in ministry because at this point he doesn't want to. He said, "I didn't I didn't enter the ministry so that I could I could I could be the expert on." Dealing with political debate. It's not why I entered the ministry. He said, I didn't enter the ministry to determine policy in the midst of a pandemic. He said, That's not why I entered ministry. I I didn't come into the ministry to referee. Uh, well-meaning people's opinions. He said, that's not how I entered the ministry for. He said, I entered the ministry to preach the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus. But all my church wants to do is argue uh, over politics and over, over policy positions. He said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And there are churches that have died over this, friends. There are churches that were existing three years ago and they're not gathering together anymore not because of the blood of Jesus, not because they didn't agree on sin, not because they didn't have, sal- because they allowed secondary matters to divide them. How, I mean, I, I, don't raise your hand on this, but I, I, I know there are people in this room, you've lost friendships over secondary matters. I've talked to people who can't have a meal with their family anymore because it just turns into an argument over secondary matters. And this is what the apostle's writing to this church about. He's like, you're getting all upset about stuff. And listen, is it important? Sure, it's important stuff. It matters to you. If it matters to you, it's important. But it's not the basis of our existence. It's not Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised. We have to be accepting of one another's uh, opinions. We need to tolerate is the more appropriate word tolerate and love and care for one another. And that's what creates healthy community. It's focusing on Jesus and the gospel that unites us, not on our opinions. And so the second thing that goes with that is is in a, a heart and a mindset that produces a lifestyle. See, healthy community comes from Christians seeking what serves Christ, what serves Christ. Let's go back to verse 18 of Romans 14. Look what the Bible says. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. It is, a, it is sad and at the same time terrifying to see the awful things that human beings have done in the name of religion, isn't it? Again, I have friends now that have rejected Christ uh, because of the awful things that have been supposedly done in the name of Jesus. I try to convince them that that is not at all done in the name of Jesus, that there, there are betrayers and liars and we must discern the difference. But I, I, I want to remind you this morning that serving Christ does not cause harm. It, it, it produces human thriving. When you read the gospels and you read the epistles and you read the New Testament and you see the life that Christ promotes and the life of, that the Old Testament points to in terms of the coming of the Lordship of Christ and family and being committed to the right things that God commands us to do and be, it produces human thriving. Second thing I would remind you and tell you is that serving Christ is not complicated. It's not always easy. It's not complicated to love people. It's not complicated to serve people. It, it, it may be hard. It's not complicated. Christianity is not complicated. It, it leads to human thriving. It, it does take effort. And here's a funny one. It costs us everything and nothing. Now, let me explain this. How can something cost me everything and nothing? Well, in order to be a Christian, you've got to give all that you are to him. So listen to what Jesus said. This is Luke nine twenty three. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What's he saying? If anyone would come after me, you have to say, you know what, Lord, it's not about me anymore. I'm going to die to that stuff. I'm going to crucify it and I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. That's where I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give up my whole life for you. Now, why would you do that? Well, because of the free gift. See, it costs you everything, but nothing. This is Romans 6, 23. You probably know this one. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is what we gain in Christ. We gain this new life because we give up on our own life and we receive his life. And when we live it out, it creates health in us and around us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who, are, who, who are, who, all who labor and are heavy laden. Everybody who's stressed out. Everybody who's anxious and miserable. He said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friend, please understand, not everybody who says they're serving Jesus is serving Jesus. Because when you serve Jesus, you're not miserable. Uh, Example, I see this and you maybe have seen this in marriages before too. I've had Husbands and wives tell each other this. I've seen husbands say this to wives and wives say this to husbands. They say, I I work so that you can have everything that you want. And they have the spouse say, no. You work so that you can feel good about giving me the things you think I want. There are so many people that are hardworking people and, and they do it to have stuff so that they can say, look at all the stuff I gave you. Why do they do that? Is it for them? Is it because it's the stuff they want? Maybe. But for a lot of people, and when it is for the other person, they delight in doing it. They never complain. But when they do complain, here's what you can know. They didn't do it for the other person. They were doing it for themselves. You see this, you see this, uh, parents with children. Children. Well, I just want little Johnny to have fun playing baseball. Well, why does little Johnny hate baseball so much and sort of hate you? Well, I got him that $300 bat and I got him, I drive him all over the place and we spend our whole weekends. Why don't they, it seems like they would appreciate it. Well, buddy, because it stopped being about them and started being all about you not too long ago because you wanted to hear everybody say, oh, he's such a good hitter. He said, go, yeah, I'm his dad. How many parents have made things like the arts and and band and music and baseball and sports miserable for their children because it wasn't serving the child, it was serving the parent's ego. Yeah, I see this in church and people with philanthropic activities who get mad. No one thanked me. No one said a single thank you. And it's everything inside of me. It's everything. And I know if Miss Carrie's there, she like grabs my arm, she's like, don't say no. Because I want to say, well, good, good thing, because it wasn't about you, was it? But I withhold myself and I just say, bless your heart. If you hear me say, bless your heart. Yeah, you know. Friends, serving Christ, it's light. And my goodness, when you get in a room of people who are serving Christ together, wow. The community that it creates. I'm so excited to introduce you to a guy named Mike Hubbard to serve as elder of our church. Mike served before and he's willing to come back on again and he's going to share a little bit of a story but here's what I want you to really listen to. Listen to, listen to the, the voices or the people that influenced his life that, that really led him to be the, the man that he is today. Let's watch this together
1: good morning church family my name is mike hubbard and i'm candidate for elder here at living hope baptist church my testimony begins when i gave my life to christ at eight years of age at litchfield first baptist church my i was blessed in the fact that i had christian parents who were very devout my father as a matter of fact was a song leader at litchfield first baptist where you can imagine we were there every time the church opened church doors opened uh, he was a song leader Minister of Music title didn't even exist back then. Uh, my conversion to Jesus was not a dramatic one like Saul to Paul, but rather I think i like to consider it a steady diet of cr- strong Christian people that were placed in my path. Uh, I don't wanna downplay the importance of my parents in my life, but, but mom and dad were very important. However, through my growing up and going into school, uh, teachers were of uh, utmost importance in my life school teachers such as math science um, sunday school teachers even my mail carrier was important in my life these people all had a common thread and that is they loved god they loved the church and they cared for people this was very uh obvious in their lives and i stood up and took took notice Fast forward, I married my high school sweetheart, Nora, who many of you all may know. She served on the uh, missions committee and missions department here at Living Hope. We married and went on to Louisville where I served and entered the University Louisville Dental School. We joined uh, West Broadway Baptist Church where I was ordained as deacon and served there uh, many years. We moved back to Bowling Green in 1994 where we uh, soon joined Living Hope I became a choir member, then a vocal team member that I served as twenty four years. Other areas of service at Living Hope, while I've been a member is I've served on trustee board. I've also um, worked in the children's department, been on several short mission trips, short-term mission trips such as Jamaica, Honduras, South Africa. One of my greatest honors, however, is I was on the original elder board when it was started by Brother Brad Johnson and then we transferred and transitioned over into Brother Jason as he came on staff. Uh, So I squeezed my first three-year term into 12 years. Uh, It's been said that history is a good teacher, and it has been so with me, very much so. God has been very faithful to me and my family throughout all these years, and I certainly appreciate what He's done for us greatly. he has uh, provided for us and so forth. That reminds me of Romans 8:28, where we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose. After all, He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. I am honored again to be considered for uh, elder at Living Hope Baptist Church, and uh, I look forward to serving in whatever capacity though that God leads. Thank you very much for your time. God bless you.
0: So I'm excited, you'll have the opportunity to affirm him a month from now. And again, this servant, he, he understands serving others because of the people who taught him to serve. He was around people who were serving and they, and they showed the authenticity of their faith by how they served with love, serving others. Third thing I would encourage you to write down and remember is that healthy community comes from Christians seeking what blesses others, what blesses others. Verse 19 says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding, for, for, for looking to what helps others. What makes this so hard for us is that we live in a culture that is always telling us to focus on ourselves. Get what you want. It's all about you. Get yours. Christianity says, no, 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 serve others. Serve them, do what blesses other people. And, and as, as great as it is to gather in this room in the next few minutes, we're going to get up to leave and you'll have two or three minutes to be a blessing to other people. But there's something about being in a small group where you have enough time to really talk with one another that that, that blessing to one another is, is powerful. When we get together in small groups, there's, a, there's an acronym that we use to help us stay other focused, DNA. The, the D stands for discovering God's word. And what's so important is that we learn from each other, that we teach God's word to one another. We we don't need to know what op-ed opinions you've been watching or or, or hearing in in whatever media outlets you use. We need to know what the Bible says. And so we need to tell one another, this is what the Bible says. Then in, we need to nurturing the life of hope. Listen, we're all gonna be going through stuff. And it's so sweet to have other people who are there for our wedding celebration and graduation ceremonies, but also at, at funerals. And when we get that report from the doctor or that pink slip from our boss, nurturing one another in the hope that we have in Christ, and then advancing God's kingdom, figuring out who can we help in our city? Who can we help in our neighborhoods? How can we be a part of together caring for the welfare of our city? Friends, that happens best in a small group. I'm so grateful that we have these massive programs here at Living Hope, but I would tell you that it would be better for you to do those, not as individuals, but as small groups, as people who are in groups together. The the Bible, I'll put this on your screen. There are 59 one another commands in the Bible. 59 one another commands in the Bible. Love each other, serve each other, encourage one another, be kind to one another, look after one another, live in harmony with one another. As great as this is, in the next few minutes that you're gonna have in the hallway, it's not enough. You need to be in a group. So how do you do that? There's three different kinds of groups that that we focus in on here at Living Hope. The first is a connect group. And the best way to experience that is to go through rooted. So in rooted, what you're going to do is you're going to experience what what a small group is supposed to be about. You're going to be in a group together. You're going to discuss God's word in your life and pray and encourage one another. You need to get signed up for that now. That's the best way to enter into a group. There's two other kinds of groups. We have men's group, fight clubs, and and women's group, flourish groups. And we're going to have two events to help you get connected in those groups. So men, uh, at the beginning of September, that uh, Wednesday night, I've got a dear friend of mine, Brady Cooper, is a pastor down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's crazy like the rest of us. And so he's going to come and he's going to talk about how men need bros. And I made sure that the, the people that were in charge of this, that that O didn't become an A because that would be a different talk altogether. And so... Men need bros, and that's what, we're, that's what we're focusing on. Some of you are just now getting it. You're like, oh, okay, I got you. I'm with you now, it makes sense. So guys, from there, what we want to do is get you in a, in a, in a men's group. You know, I'm in, I'm in two men's groups, one a long standing group, one a relatively new group, and those guys are training up leaders who are then going to be able to lead groups. And so it's just a way that we connect as men. Women, ladies, listen, we do, we do lift. Fifth Wednesday, uh, on those fifth Wednesday months, and so that's coming up this month. And the goal is not just to come and and just to talk and kind of, we want to help you get connected with other women. See, all of the best things that happen, happen in community with one another. These commands that Christ has given us, they they require group. Now understand, it all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, all this good stuff, you may be able to have pieces of it, but not all of it because, and here's why. Until you have peace with God, you will never have peace within. And if you don't have peace within, you can't have peace with other people. You can pretend to be something you're not, but ultimately you're always afraid someone's manipulating you or you're going to be not meaning to, maybe manipulating them because you don't have peace within. So you need someone to justify you. You need someone to pleasure you. You need someone that's always going to celebrate. You need it to be about you. That's not peace. When you have peace with God, you're free. And that only happens in Jesus Christ. Some of you who are free in Christ understand it develops through friendships. Christianity does not thrive best in isolation, it thrives best in Christian community. You need to be in a group and understand that that it continues as you journey through life. And life's coming at you, isn't it? It's coming at you hard and fast. You know, it, it, for me, it's just going I was talking to a man last night. I said, does it feel like life's going way too fast? He goes, absolutely. I'll tell you what one of the senior adults told me. He said, life's like toilet paper. It goes quicker as the end draws near. <laughs> and, and you need people. You need people who are going to be at the hospital. You need to be at the hospital. You need people when, when, the, when, when the world's shaking, you need people you can talk about it, encourage you in the truth. We all need Christ and we need healthy community as a church. And it happens by connecting in a group. So I want to encourage you. Some of you need today to receive Jesus. We're going to have leaders here at the front who'd be glad to talk to you. Uh, Some of you need to just commit to these groups. And I want to encourage you to do that electronically or go out to Guest Connect and they'll help you. But make make the commitment. I understand it's not convenient. It's worth it. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I pray for some today who need to come to know you as Savior and Lord and, and to know the peace and the freedom that that alone provides. I pray for those who, who have been saved, Lord God, but they don't have genuine community and that today they will commit to that and, and they, will, they will sign up and they'll, they'll get into Rooted and they will build into a small group or they'll come to the men's or the women's of it. they'll sign up and they'll go and they'll, they'll connect in a group, Lord, and you'll bless their lives. Father, we want to be a a faithful community. We want to be a faithful community of Jesus. People who love you and are being changed by you. And so we, we say, we look to you. We're here, Lord. We want to do your will. We want this life in the kingdom. So bless us as we pursue it in Jesus' name. Amen.